This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. There was exploding gold confetti, blue and green lasers, and a soundtrack that sounded like something out of a Marvel movie. Today, executives stood on that stage amid all the lights and confetti and rang a bell to open trading for the first time on the world's most profitable company, Aramco. It was the biggest initial public offering the world has ever seen. But for the country's de facto ruler, Mohammed bin Salman, it was a letdown. Today on the show, how an IPO that was supposed to remake a country laid bare Saudi Arabia's complicated relationship with the rest of the world. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Wednesday, December 11th. Summer Saeed covers energy, and we reached her at her home in Dubai. And how long have you been hearing about this Aramco IPO? It started almost four years ago when the crown prince surprised everyone with an interview with The Economist and dropped the bombshell that he's planning to sell shares of Aramco. Journalists weren't the only ones caught off guard. Insiders at Aramco didn't know this was coming either. We ended up with board members who had no idea that this IPO was about to happen. That was a complete surprise to them as much as it was to us. This was in 2016. Mohammed bin Salman wasn't yet crown prince Mohammed bin Salman. That promotion was a year off. But that announcement, big, brash, unexpected, would prove pretty typical. Saudis were about to learn that MBS, as he's known, had a lot of big new ideas. Have you met him? I have, actually, on a few occasions, yeah. And how would you... Describe those meetings and what his personality is like. So he's quite open, actually. He's quite charismatic. He's quite young as well. He's 34 years old. And he's very optimistic about his plan. Like, he has a vision and he's willing to do whatever it takes to make that vision work. And MBS's vision for the IPO included an eye-popping valuation. The number that he had in mind was $2 trillion. $2 trillion. That's what MBS said Saudi Arabia's crown jewel company was worth. Yeah, there's no other company that definitely has been valued by $2 trillion. Ever. That number was about prestige, but it was also about math. MBS didn't want to sell that much of Aramco. But if investors valued the company highly, at say $2 trillion, it meant Saudi could sell shares representing just a small percentage of the company and still come away with $100 billion of investors' cash. A big valuation means a big payday. And MBS needed that payday. 
He wanted to raise funds to pull off his biggest, boldest vision of all. He calls it Vision 2030. The main component is transforming Saudi Arabia from a heavily dependent economy on oil into developing other sectors like the private sectors, education, infrastructure, tourism. That's basically the layout of this vision. Vision 2030 is about building a new economy for Saudi Arabia over the next decade, one that looks completely different from the oil-dependent economy they have now. If the vision would work, you will end up with a completely, completely different Saudi than the one we've known even until 2010, for instance. It will be a completely different country. And there's a reason for that 2030 deadline. Because if we look at all the estimates that are coming through, whether the Saudis admit it or not, everyone sees peak demand for oil hitting, funny enough, either by 2030 or 2040. So if your economy is based on one commodity that maybe in 20 years is not going to be the hot commodity anymore, then you need to come up with a plan to be prepared for the world without oil, more or less. Saudi Arabia is not prepared for that world. Oil exports make up 87% of the state's revenue. MBS's Vision 2030 aims to change that in ways you'd probably expect. He wants to pour oil money into developing the country's tourism and tech sectors. He wants to improve education and infrastructure. And then there are the other ideas he has to spur development in the country, like a project he calls NEOM, to build a futuristic city from scratch in the middle of the Saudi desert. It's going to be over 10,000 square miles in the middle of the desert, but yet he wants to have flying cars, he wants to have robot dinosaurs, artificial moon, glowing beach. He will have flying drone taxis to go to work, while robots will come and clean your homes. It will be like a bigger version of Silicon Valley in terms of technology. And he wants to have also like entertainment centers in there, like the French Riviera. He wants to have Hollywood there. It's like he wants to make it the place, if that makes any sense. Um, I can't say it makes sense, It's sound, but it's an incredible <laughs> vision. <laughs> Did you say robot dinosaurs? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like 1984 mixed with Brave New World inside Saudi Arabia. That's how I would describe it myself. But building the new Silicon Valley slash Hollywood slash French Riviera takes a lot of cash. So does jumpstarting new sectors of your economy like tech or entertainment. And there aren't that many ways to generate that much cash. But one of them could be an IPO, especially if you happen to own the world's most profitable company, Aramco. And that's why MBS floated the idea way back in 2016. Can you tell me what Aramco is to Saudi Arabia? It's the crown jewel. It's more or less the cash machine for the Saudi economy. The revenues are basically used for everything else in the economy. And how much revenue are we talking about? In 2018, I think they've done roughly around $356 billion of revenue and a net income of... 111 billion. That's huge. Yeah, far bigger than Apple. It's the most profitable company in the entire world. And the fact that it is the most profitable company in the world meant that this would be a historic IPO. 
and MBS envisioned a fittingly big debut. All of the big-name international firms would invest, and the stock would be listed on one of the most prestigious exchanges. He thought it was going to be a big success, a massive hit, that all the international investors are going to jump on it, and he was going to have all of these roadshows and eventually will end up in a listing either in New York or London or Tokyo. And at $100 billion, it would be the biggest IPO in history by a factor of four. And yet, a few things would happen over the next four years that would point to the particular complications of taking a state-run company public, especially if that state is Saudi Arabia. From the beginning, investors had awkward questions. Would women be allowed on Aramco's board? Who would really be in charge of the company, the royal family or the stockholders? That became a problem as the company looked to list on the big exchanges in New York and London. And then came the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. There's some really disturbing new details about the killing of the Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. Khashoggi was last seen entering the Saudi consulate on October the 2nd. Turkish TV showing video of men carrying luggage into the residence of the Saudi Council General in Istanbul. The report says the five suitcases contain the remains of the Washington Post columnist. U.S. intelligence linked the murder to an order from MBS himself. As grisly detail after grisly detail came out, companies started backing away from the kingdom. Now the head of ride-sharing company Uber, Dara Khosrowshahi, has pulled out of an international investor conference due to take place in the Saudi capital Riyadh later this month. Before, For a while, the Saudis laid low. But by this past summer, it was clear that the Aramco IPO was going ahead. Preparations were underway. Bankers were having conversations with investors. And then, just two months out... Iranian-backed Houthi rebels claim responsibility for the coordinated assault that struck the world's largest oil processing facility and a nearby oil field in Saudi Arabia. The The attack, attributed to Iran, briefly took out 5% of the entire world's oil supply. It took a month for Aramco to get production levels back up. And if you are a banker trying to sell the world the Aramco IPO, and you've got the world's biggest oil facility that is the biggest part of this company's business being attacked by whomever did it, that suggests a vulnerability. So maybe there's some There was a big uh-oh moment. They did consider delaying it. They did think, okay, we're not sure how investors will take this. We're not sure when were our processing capacity comes back online. Let's reconsider. In the four years since MBS floated the idea in that Economist interview, the IPO has been on again, then off again. Now analysts speculated it might be off again. But MBS and his allies were not turning back this time. They wanted to come across internationally as a defiant country that can withstand and recover quite fast from such a major attack. At the end of the day, the crown prince wanted to send a message that we can recover from this and we are so big and we are still in control of what's happening inside the kingdom. Now, unfortunately, investors did not see it that way. How investors did see it after the break. 
Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Voice API, you get comprehensive call analytics, virtual assistance, automated speech recognition, and text-to-speech benefits across multiple languages. Developers can add smart voice functionalities into your app, giving your customers an easier way to reach you. And you can start collecting real-time data to drive more meaningful engagement to move your business forward. Learn more at Vonage.com. Welcome back. Of all the people excited about the world's biggest IPO, the most excited might have been investment bankers. During an IPO, bankers play a key role. They're the brokers, working with the companies to set the price in terms of the IPO and lining up big investors to buy the shares. And for bankers, this was the IPO to be in on. They clamored for the chance to advise the kingdom. In fact, the Saudis claim it was the banks who first told them four years ago that Aramco was worth $2 trillion. But fast forward to 2019. The banks were meeting with their big investors, and those investors were not buying the prince's $2 trillion valuation. By this fall, the banks had to deliver the bad news to Aramco. The bankers start going to the Aramco CEO, and they started saying, we're not going to get this. We were getting something closer to 1.3 to 1.5. And that was the first time I think Aramco started to hear this very openly and very honestly from banks. That they're not going to get that $2 trillion valuation. Yeah. The maximum they're getting is 1.7. And that's a very, very best case scenario. What were the reasons for that? Why were international investors not seeing it valued more? Because, first of all, the relationship between Aramco and the state is still quite unclear. And as a matter of fact, in one of the investors' meetings that Aramco had in the U.S., they asked him, can you please explain to us who's calling the shots? What's the relationship between Aramco and the crown prince and the king? And Aramco could not answer this. I mean, everyone can guess who's calling the shots. So we've seen already major signs that the state or the crown prince mostly is the one calling the shots for Aramco. And I think that really scares investors, not because he's making the wrong or right decisions, but because in terms of corporate governance, it's not very clear who does what. And on top of that, you have a possibility of another attack from next door. And if you combine all of them together, a lot of investors thought, well, this is too high for us to invest in. How does the environment or climate change figure into this? You have environmental question marks or concerns over oil and above all, renewables. Would I want to invest in a company that maybe in 10 years wouldn't be relevant anymore if we have, you know, electric cars everywhere? It puts a big question over the commodity itself. 
This is what banks are hearing from investors. And this past October, they had to deliver this news to the people who least wanted to hear it, MBS's allies inside Aramco. So the bankers flew to Saudi. They had numbers of meetings. They had first a meeting with the Aramco CEO. Then they drove four or five hours to Riyadh to deliver the message saying, we're not getting the valuation you want. I think the crown prince and Saudi officials took major offense at the fact that international investors were not seeing or not valuing the company as they were valuing it. And I think by then it was too late for Aramco to bail out of this. So it's now valued at $1.7 trillion. How did the shape of the IPO compare with the Crown Prince's initial vision for it? At the end of the day, it's just a domestic IPO that has mainly participations of domestic and regional investors. And he didn't want that. And unfortunately, that's becoming very clear now that this could be almost impossible to achieve if he's insisting on the valuation he has. Even the 1.7 valuation is still too high for investors in, let's say, the U.S. or the U.K. For now, less than 2% of the company will be on sale. And those shares will only be listed on Saudi Arabia's own stock exchange, the Tadawal. The investors will mainly be local players. They ended up with investments from the United Arab Emirates, which is a political ally, possibly Kuwait, have probably invested around $1 billion, again, because it's a political ally. In the end, the IPO isn't slated to bring in the $100 billion MBS wanted. It'll bring in $25.6 billion. That still makes it the world's biggest IPO by $600 million. As you stated at the start of this interview, Aramco is the crown jewel of Saudi Arabia. Yes. The fact that this IPO has come in smaller than expected, what does that mean for Saudi and what does it mean for MBS? I would say it puts a question mark on his grand plan for diversifying the Saudi economy. Again, that was his way to come up after the Khashoggi murder and say, you know, we turned a new page. People are still interested to come in this country and invest. My vision is still valid. It's going to be successful and it's going to work. And now the first real testament, something that we can put our hands on, is proving to be not what it was planned to be. So I think it will put a big question mark on vision 2030 and what Saudi Arabia plans to do for the future. They tried to sell the whole vision and the economy and the IPO as like the biggest thing ever and still the biggest by value-wise. But it's not like, you know, the opportunity that you could have never missed because clearly a lot of investors decided we're going to miss it. I think that's a big, big blow to the, to the ego of the Saudis for sure. But today, they might have gotten a little ego boost. Aramco shares rose 10% in the first day of trading. That was the maximum increase allowed. And sources have told Summer and her colleagues that the dream of an international IPO is still alive and that Aramco is eyeing a listing in Asia next year. That's all for today, Wednesday, December 11th. 
The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen. We come out every weekday afternoon. Special thanks to Rory Jones for additional reporting. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.